With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Technical File Podcast. I'm your host, Manny Brown. And uh, I know, man, I know, slacking on the podcast game, still trying to get on a, still trying to get back on the horse, man. It's, it's a little rusty on the podcast game. <laughs> well, because the last episode dropped, what, Sunday of uh, week one? So it's been a couple, it's been what, uh, 10 days. So it's not too bad. Not too bad. You know, still trying to get into a, into a rhythm here. Well, because it's hard during the fall and winter months. You know, because football, college football is on Saturday, you know, and you obviously, you know, the NFL games are on Sunday and Monday. So it's kind of hard sometimes during the weekend to kind of because, you know, we used to, you know, we always record on 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 Sundays or someday during the weekend. So it's kind of hard sometimes to kind of find a consistent day during these months to kind of do, do a podcast. I think we're we're changing our schedule a little bit. So um, I think that we're going to settle on Wednesday night. Wednesday night is kind of a good night. It's kind of the the midweek point, kind of the apex of the sports news week. I mean, not really, because, you know, sports news, you know, it's a 24-hour news cycle. So, I mean, you could literally have sports news on a Friday night at one o'clock in the morning. So, so, so it's not too true <laughs> that statement, but Wednesday night seems like it's a good night to drop a podcast episode. So yeah, here I am. So Wednesday nights, be on the lookout for new podcast episodes. I'll be trying to have, I'll be trying to have a show out every Wednesday night or at least Wednesday night going into Thursday morning for those, for those folks on the East coast, have a podcast up and running for y'all. But yeah, man, welcome back to the show. Uh, it's a good show this week. I got, uh, Ray Jarvis, host of the Gray Area podcast. He also does some, uh, he also does some contributing for Elite Sports, uh, New York, uh, joining us on the show. He's going to join us real quick. Just, you know, kind of recap weeks one and week two of the NFL season. Also talk about the, the big news of the day, I guess, if you want to call it big news. Jimmy Butler requesting a trade from the Timberwolves. Um, you know, we'll get into that. We'll get into a couple things. He only has uh, 30 minutes with us today. So, you know, so it won't be, it's going to be a quick guest spot with him, but, uh, it's an entertaining dude, man. He does really good work. So if you guys, you guys are not familiar with him, you should definitely check him out. He's the host of the gray area podcast. It's available everywhere. iTunes, uh, SoundCloud, Stitcher, everywhere where you can find podcasts. He's there. So yeah, definitely check him out. So he'll be joining us in a little bit, but, um, I wanted to first kind of, kind of give an overview of the first two weeks of the NFL season. Cause you know, Obviously, we dropped the, you know, the NFL preview show last Sunday or not this 
past Sunday, but the Sunday before. And so we obviously didn't get a chance to kind of talk about week ones and week twos of the, of the right, of the, uh, of the start of the regular season. And, and so far kind of my observations and, and right now it's early. And well, it's early. Obviously it's only two weeks in two games. And while the NFL season is, is, is very quick. I mean, we'll be in week 10 and, in, in, it seems like in a week or so. That's how fast this season goes. It's still two games. So I, I always believe that you really don't, you really don't start to see kind of the good teams, like who's going to be the good teams, who's going to be the bad teams. You really don't start to see that till about week four, week five ish. That's, you know, after four or five games or so, that's when you kind of really start to notice, okay, these are the good teams. These are the teams that have a chance. These are the championship contenders. These are the teams that are kind of, you know, surprising us. These are, you know, cause right now it's two games. Two games is not enough to really determine what, where, one way or another, you know, who's a, who's a sleeper, who's a surprise team, who's a team that will, you know, that that's going to surprise a lot of folks. So I, so it's kind of unfair to, to kind of make a judgment right now. But I guess if you had to come up with three main things that I've noticed at least in this, you know, in the first two weeks of this regular season, um, number one, I would have to say the Steelers. I, I think without a doubt, the Steelers, I, I think the Steelers are in for one of those just tumultuous, disastrous five and 11, six. I mean, if they don't get better, I mean, and I hate to say this right now because the Steelers are, the Steelers were my Super Bowl pick and, and they're a team that I perennially pick year in and year out. It seems like this is finally the year that, you know, Tomlin's going to get this, this iteration, this incarnation of the Steelers back to a Super Bowl. And I, I got to be honest with you. I haven't liked what I've seen the first two weeks of the season. They could have easily lost that game to the Browns week one. They ended up in a tie. That game was just a disaster. Then you have the performance they had on Sunday against the fucking Chiefs with the Chiefs. I mean, they basically, it basically was an arena league. It was an arena league game. I mean, that's basically what it was. No defense, no kind of defense whatsoever. I mean, the Chiefs just went up and down, up and down, did whatever they want. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, I might be wrong about Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes might be the real fucking deal. Like he might be legit. Um, not ready to go there yet. We got to see more. It's only two games, two weeks, but. I, I'm, I'm, I might regret my words about, you know, cause I've been on this campaign for about two years that Patrick Mahomes might be overrated, but damn, dude is, dude, dude has impressed me. I will say that. But I mean, they let Patrick Mahomes just basically run all over him. I mean, the Steelers just look bad. They look bad. And then you, then you throw it. And, and if it was just on the field, it'd be one thing, but then you have all the stuff that's going off off the field. You got, you know, the Le'Veon Bell holdout situation, and it just kind of seems like it's that's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I mean, Anthony Savino may be right. We may not see, we may not see Le'Veon Bell at all this season. We may not see him to week 10. So who, I, who knows? And then, of course, you got this thing that came out this week where, you know, Antonio Bell responded back to a former Pittsburgh Steelers PR person or PR employee, uh, basically saying that Ben Roethlisberger is the reason that the Steelers have, you know, basically been successful and, you know, that Antonio Brown's career is owed to, to Ben Roethlisberger. And then he responds back, well, trade me. Then obviously a report comes out that, you know, he didn't show up for work on Monday after, you know, after what a tough game on, you know, on Sunday against the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, it, it it's, I don't know. It's 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 premature to say this, but I mean, the Steelers are looking like they're going to have a long, long, long 2018 season. And that is a and that is not good news for Mike Tomlin. 
you know, I've, I've always been a Mike Tomlin guy. I've always been a guy that has banged the drum for Mike Tomlin. When people have told me that he's overrated, when people have told me that he's not that great, that he's a guy that has ridden on the coattails of Ben Roethlisberger and the Steeler name and the Steeler mystique and the Steeler organization of loyalty or history of loyalty, I should say. But you know, and I've always defended Mike Tomlin. I, I like Mike Tomlin, you know, as a coach. I, I like from what I see from him as far as, you know, personally, you know, from what I read in, you know, articles and, and, and interviews and whatnot. But, you know, I, I said it last year at the end of last year after that horrific performance in the playoffs against Jacksonville. You know, this is a team right now that, you know, if he doesn't get this ship righted, Mike Tomlin needs to lose his job. I said it last year. I was like, this is the year. This is, it's now or never for the Pittsburgh Steelers with Mike Tomlin. As the coach of this current group, you know, no more excuses, no more issues. The defense is a joke. Mike Tomlin is a defensive guy and the defense is a a complete and utter joke. I mean, he should be embarrassed. He should be embarrassed. And again, Mike Tomlin is a defensive guy. You know, it's not like this is some offensive coordinator, you know, coaching, (laughs) you know, coaching a team built on, on defense. You know, this is a defensive guy. Comes from the Tony Dungy coaching tree. And this is an embarrassment. I mean, an embarrassment. The defense was okay in week one. Didn't play that bad. But then again, it was the Browns. So how how much, you know, how much of that was just the Browns offensive ineptitude? How much of that was the Steelers? Nonetheless, that performance on Sunday was a joke. And I know the Kansas City Chiefs have a great offense. I get that. But I mean, they just, I mean, they basically just did whatever they wanted against the Steelers. Whatever they wanted. So this defense has been a complete and utter disaster since last year. Now, I know some people will point it to that Ryan Shazier got hurt and the defense has really struggled. But, I mean, the, the defense has been a problem in Pittsburgh for years now. For the last five years, the defense has been a, has been a problem. Everybody knows that. It's no secret around the NFL that the Pittsburgh Steelers defense have been a problem for years. Years and years and years on end. And throughout all these years, he's never, 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 ever been able to fix a defense. And it's a problem. It's a problem. And you can sit there and you can blame Ryan Shazier and you can, you know, and and all these things. The fact of the matter is the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the legendary steel curtain, Pittsburgh Steelers, mean Joe Green, Pittsburgh Steelers have a horrific defense and they've had a horrific defense for five years now, if not more. And that's a problem. And then you throw in all the issues that are going on. Man, it, it's going to, it's a rough, it, this was the worst thing. This like, this is the worst case scenario you could have envisioned as a Steelers fan. Like this is the worst thing that you could have imagined. This is the worst thing that you could have predicted. If you had to kind of play out, well, what's the, what's a, what's a bad way for us to get the season started? This was like the ultimate worst. You lose it. It's, and you don't even lose to the Browns. Well, you should have lost, but it's a tie. So that's even worse because in a lot of ways, that's even worse because it's just, it's just, it just screams ineptitude. And then you get destroyed by essentially a rookie quarterback. I know he's in his second year, but essentially a rookie quarterback. You get destroyed destroyed for six touchdowns i mean it was just it's putrid putrid and tomlin better watch out because this ass is on the hot seat and he deserves it again i can't cave for this man anymore i can't i cannot do it he's been bad he's been terrible terrible how many assistant coaches are gonna get fired 
how many guys? Eventually, they're going to fire you. And I know it's Pittsburgh, and they've had three coaches since, you know, since the 1970s. I get that. But at some point, you got to start winning games. And not just games. You got to start winning playoff games. Getting to a Super Bowl. And they haven't done that. I'm going to be very interested to see the Steelers. I'm going to be very, very interested. And and the and and the Lavar. I almost called them Lavar. What am I thinking? <laughs> the Le'Veon Bell situation is going to be interesting because it's clearly become an issue. It's become an issue in that locker room. You have factions in that locker room that I'm sure love and support Le'Veon Bell. And then you have factions in that locker room that probably can't stand him. Or at least they're just like, hey, dude, you got to play. I mean, we've seen this much. The offensive line criticized him. So, of course, there's factions in that locker room. Of course, there's people in that locker room that are split. It's going to be interesting. Has Tomlin lost that locker room? I, I don't know. I'm not there every day. You guys aren't there every day. So, it's hard for us to, you know... It's hard for us to to dissect it when we're not there every day. Obviously, we don't cover the teams. We're not there to see what's going on in those locker rooms. But if I'm looking at these, if, but if I'm basing this and then I'm looking at this from the first two games of the season and these performances and all the things and all the chirping and all the bullshit that's been going on, I, I would venture to say that he's lost that locker room or at least a segment of that locker room. And if he doesn't write this ship... If they start out 0-2 and 1, 0-2 and 1, then there's going to be some serious problems in Pittsburgh. Serious problems. Now, I don't think that division's that great. I know the Bengals are off to the good start, but it's the Bengals. I mean, it's the Bengals. They do this every year. They'll play well enough to give <laughs> they'll play well enough to give Mike to to to, to they'll, they'll play well enough to give Mar Lewis a contract extension and then they'll fall apart. So the you know the, the, the can't you see the Bengals going ten and six nine and seven losing another playoff game Marvin Lewis gets an extension and they collapse and fall apart again and become the Bengals again so it, it's it's typical Bengals they just it's it's a it's an endless cycle with the Bengals and the Ravens I just I don't know how to read the Ravens I was so impressed with them in Week One I know it was Buffalo they destroyed Buffalo just destroyed them absolutely outclassed them destroyed them. And then they go out there and they just get their asses handed to them by the Bengals in week two. So I don't know how to read the fucking the the Ravens. Some weeks I like the Ravens. Some weeks I don't like the Ravens. But to me, the Steelers are number one. Number two, the Seahawks. The dynasty is over. Now, I take personal enjoyment because I'm out here in Seattle and I've seen I've seen the phoniness and the bandwagon Seahawk fans from from day one. I've seen the birth of this 12th man, this bandwagon that came out of nowhere. So I'm a little bit excited to see this happen. I'm excited to see that this this mirage, this this phoniness has come to a close. But man, man, the Seahawks are bad. They're just bad. They're fucking terrible. Their defense is not, I mean, their defense is still good. It's not what it used to be. And their offensive line, I mean, everybody talks about the Giants' offensive line. The, Se- the Seahawks' offensive line is in the running. I mean, they're fucking terrible. Terrible. They can't protect Russell Wilson. They have no receivers. None. I've always, I've told you guys for years that the Seahawks' wide receivers were overrated. And that was when they had Curse and Baldwin. Now they don't have Curse, and Baldwin's hurt. They have no wide receivers. They have no run game. 
Their offensive line is shit. Their tight ends are okay. Disley, the kid Disley, the kid from Washington's all right. He's he's shown up. He's played a little bit better. I like him. But the tight end's okay. Brandon Marshall's on his last legs. They have no wide receivers. They have nothing. They have nothing offensively. Nothing. Their defense, while it's still good, it's still competitive, you can win with it. It's not the dynamic defense it once was. Not by any stretch of the imagination. They're old. The defense is old. It's beat up. I'll tell you, I have not been impressed with the Seahawks. Like, to me, I think the Seahawks are going to be bad. I think they're going to be bad. I think the Seahawks are going to be 5-11, and 6-10. and 10. I don't see that team being any good. And the only reason I'm not going lower because I think they have to play Arizona, and Arizona looks just atrocious. Arizona looks like they might be the worst team in that division by far, and I, I don't even understand that because I thought Arizona was a sleeper team. But Arizona just looks terrible. They might as well just go ahead and start Rosen now. Just end the Sam, just end the Sam Bradford experiment. Like, just end it. Like, what more do you need to see out of Sam Bradford? It's Sam Bradford. He hasn't been that great. Their defense hasn't been that great. David Johnson is a one-man show. Larry Fitzgerald's still good. He's still Larry Fitzgerald, but that team has just been bad. But the Seahawks, and that's the funny part, the Seahawks, because I've seen it, I've seen it from day one when the bandwagon was first created and was first built, and and it is what it is now. Like, bro, like I don't even have Blue Fridays at work anymore. It's amazing. Like, there's no more Blue Fridays. You know, there's not these fake phony fraud ass fans walking around. Oh, Seahawks, go Hawks, go Hawks. Not anymore. It's quiet as can be, quiet as it can motherfucking be. Matter of fact, I don't even see motherfuckers wearing Seahawks fan Seahawks gear anymore. That's how crazy it is. My, have the mighty have fallen. Amazing. But yeah, man, jokes aside, the Seahawks look terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible. So I guess that would be my second thing. The second theme. And then my third team, my third third theme, I cannot speak. My third theme would be these kickers. Like, bro, like, and I used to always, and I... I have this rule that I hate college kickers. Like, college kickers are the worst. But now NFL kickers are being just horrific. Like, what the fuck is going on with the field goal kicking the first two weeks of the season? I mean, it has been atrocious. It has been terrible. I mean, capped by Zane Gonzalez, the kicker for the Browns, who had a shitty day. And his day was only eclipsed by how bad Daniel Carlson was in that Minnesota Vikings Green Bay Packers game. I mean, Daniel Carlson, I mean, come on. And this was a kid that was highly touted coming out of Auburn. I like Daniel Carlson. He was, he was a great kicker for four years at Auburn. I liked him. I wanted the Jets to sign him. So that goes to show you like how, how bad the kicking has been the first two weeks of the season. Carlson had a terrible, I mean, you just, and you can't have these kickers lose these games. These games are too, the NFL is too close right now. It's a league filled with parity. It's very competitive. These games are nip and tuck. You can't have kickers blowing games for you. You can live with maybe a kicker losing one game for you. If kickers losing multiple games for you, you can't live with it. And in the case of the Vikings, when you're competing for a Super Bowl, you're, you're, first of all, you're competing for a division title with the Green Bay Packers. And you're, you're a team that's Super Bowl or bust. You can't have kickers cost you games. You just can't. And that kicker cost them the game. And that was a hell of a game, by the way. 
That was a hell of a game. And if anybody ever again questions Kirk Cousins and why he's getting paid $30 million, look, I have my issues with Kirk Cousins, but I'm a Kirk Cousins defender. That throw he made to Thielen, that throw that basically split two defenders that got through the, oh my God, what a throw. That was an amazing throw. That is why you pay a quarterback $30 million for throws like that. There's a reason why a guy like that Kirk Cousins gets paid $30 million. And I know it's excessive, and I know some people would say he hasn't won enough, and he's not a truly great quarterback, but, I mean, that was a hell of a performance. Kirk Cousins played well. Kirk Cousins played a hell of a game. And that was the best game of the weekend. That and the Auburn game. That and the Auburn-LSU game were the best games of the weekend. But that game was phenomenal. That was a phenomenal regular season NFL game. Packers and the Vikings. I can't wait for round two. So the field goal kicking, the Seahawks ineptitude, and the Steelers. Those are my three kind of early season snapshots that have just kind of stuck out to me. And then the Raiders. I mean, the, the Raiders are the Raiders. And you know what upsets me about the Raiders? And I told you guys, John Gruden was a disaster. Like, I, I just, I never understood this John Gruden love affair. I didn't, I didn't understand it. John Gruden is a good coach. He was a very good coach. But I never thought Gruden was this this innovator, this icon. Never. I never thought that about John Gruden. John Gruden was a nice, solid head coach, but I didn't get the under, I, you know, it's, and, and this always happens with guys that go into the broadcast booth. Their, 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 their legacy gets inflated. Like they become better and bigger than what they, what people remember them being. And that was what John Gruden was. John Gruden was a very good coach. Good coach. I'm not going to sit there and say he was very good, but he was a very, he's a good coach. Won a Super Bowl, Dungeons players, but a good coach and won a Super Bowl. But then you bring him back out of retirement. Bring him back out of mothballs. You give him 10 years, 10 years for a, 10 years, all that money. And so far, I haven't been impressed the way he handled the whole Khalil Mack situation. And then to sit there and you know, the, and, and I get to a certain extent, like, what is he supposed to say? Like, I get it. What can you, like, he, what is he going to say? Well, yeah, we need Khalil Mack. He's not going to say that. So a lot of it is kind of like, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't kind of thing. Cause it's like, well, you can't say, well, yeah, we should have probably never traded Khalil Mack. So I get it, but it's like, come on for you to be asked, well, how do you fix the pass rush? And it's like, oh, well, pass rushing isn't easy. And we got to find some guys that can get to the quarterback. Like you're just open. Like, are you trolling us? Are you trolling yourself, John Gruden? Like, is that, the, is that the level that you've reached now where you're trolling yourself now for some sort of sadistic entertainment, I guess, because it just makes no sense. Yeah, I know how you fix your pass rush. You don't trade Khalil Mack. You you sign Khalil Mack. That's how you fix your pass rush. So the Raiders are the Raiders are going to be ta- they're just going to be bad. They're just going to be bad. And you know it's about time Derek Carr play like a superstar quarterback. You know Derek Carr's getting superstar money. It's about time that Derek Carr play like a superstar. Can can is that too much to ask for? Can Derek Carr actually play like a superstar? Can he play like a quarterback that's worth twenty five million dollars a year? No more excuses for Derek Carr. I don't want to hear about the broken leg, and I don't want to hear about oh last year was a struggle and blah 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 blah. I don't want to hear it. Del Rio's not there anymore to blame. It's time that Derek Carr now play like a superstar franchise level quarterback, and he has not done that. He played a little bit better on Sunday, but he's not playing. Still, for a guy making $25 million, I got to see better. Got to see better. 
other snapshots. Oh, God, the Giants. <laughs> the Giants. What, what more can you say about the Giants? It, uh, I, you know what? I'm going to lay off the Giants because the Giants had a rough week. <laughs> the Giants had a, had, a, had a rough enough week that they don't need to be ragging on them. Just, it's just the offensive line. The offensive line. And Eli's shot. Let's, let's just admit it, folks. He's shot. Eli's shot. Why is it so hard for people to believe that? Why is it so hard for people in the NFL to let go? He's shot. He's been shot for three years. I keep telling people, Eli hasn't played well in a while. I kept telling you guys in the offseason, even last year when the whole sit-down thing happened and, you know, Geno Smith to start instead of Eli. Like, I was like, Geno, he hasn't played well in two and a half years. He's been terrible. Terrible. And this notion, this idea that Eli was just going to find the fountain of youth and play well again was a, was a, was a fallacy. Was a fallacy. Now it's not all on him. The offensive line is terrible. How is, how is Eric Flowers still in the league? Can anybody explain that to me? How is Eric Flowers still have an NFL job? And it's a rhetorical question. I know the answer. He's a, what, ninth overall pick? So he's going to get chances after chances, but enough already. Enough already. There's not enough scheme designs. You can't keep pushing, moving a guy over. You can move him to 14 different positions. There's only so many positions on the, on the offensive line. The guy sucks. He's terrible. Terrible. But of course, the Giants are going to keep giving him opportunities and keep running him out there because he's a ninth overall pick. And God forbid. Oh, the Giants. Gotta love the Giants. Gotta love the Giants. <laughs> not really. No, I hate the Giants, but yeah, it's just, and Shermer hasn't exactly uh, proven to be the second incarnation of Bill Parcells. And I wasn't too impressed with his coaching. So the Giants have issues. I think the other snapshot would be the quarterbacks that were highly touted and highly expected of. Now, Garoppolo played better this week. I'll give him that. I'll lay off Garoppolo a little bit because he was terrible week one. Now, he did play the Vikings, and that Vikings defense is really, really good. Even though they didn't, even though they didn't play their best on Sunday against against Aaron Rodgers, but that Vikings defense is pretty good, pretty good. But I wasn't too impressed with Garoppolo and Deshaun. We may have crowned Deshaun Watson a little bit too early. We may have crowned Deshaun Watson a little bit early. He was terrible in Week One against the Patriots. I wasn't that impressed. And then while he played better against the Titans on Sunday, he did play better. You got to throw the ball away there late in the game. You, you just, that's a mistake that as a quarterback, you just can't make. You can't make it. I, I don't care if you're a franchise quarterback, if you're a third string quarterback, you can't make that mistake. You got to get rid of the ball there. You got to give your team a chance there late in the game. You just, you can't hold on to the ball and let the clock run out. I just, you just can't. You got to throw the ball there. Got to give your team a chance. So that was a just, you know, but he hasn't played well. Now, I know some people will say, well, you know, he missed all, you know, basically outside of five games, he missed, you know, the entire season and, you know, he's just getting back. He's still rusty. You know, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm not ready to write him off completely, but, you know, I haven't been impressed with Deshaun Watson. And people were just expecting Deshaun Watson to just basically just, you know, come back and just basically resume his dominance, his dominance of five games, of course. And it hasn't happened. And while Garoppolo played better on Sunday, you know, he hasn't been exactly lighting the world up on fire either. 
So the, the, the overhyped quarterbacks that coming into the season, those were the guys that I've kind of been paying attention to. And Mahomes, I might have been bad. I might have been wrong on Mahomes again. <laughs> Jeez, this guy looks good. Now he has a lot of weapons. I mean, it's easy to look at when you're throwing to Tyreek Hill and, you know, Sammy Watkins and, you know, it's just, yeah, geez. It's easy. It's easy to look. It's easy to look that good. But, yo, Mahomes looks like he's the real fucking deal. Looks like he's, he looks like he's the real fucking deal. I might have been wrong on Mahomes. I might have been wrong. Might have been wrong. So that's the NFL basically in the last two weeks. You know, now we'll see what happens. We got some big games this weekend. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, the Jacksonville won, Jacksonville won a big game this weekend. I thought that was a big game for Jacksonville to win for their psyche to for themselves to prove that they can that they can hang with the Patriots. I know that they hung with them in the AFC Championship game, but that was last season. It was a different circumstance. You know, that was an important game for Jacksonville. I thought if they had lost that game, I thought that I thought that would have that would have that would have been a bad thing for Jacksonville. I, I you know I, I think they needed that from a confidence standpoint, from a swagger perspective. I think Jacksonville now is in position. Blake Bortles played probably the best game I've ever seen him play. And I've seen a lot of Blake Bortles, sadly. That's the best game that I've ever seen Blake Bortles play. So it's interesting. It's interesting. I think Jacksonville, and I was concerned about Jacksonville. Will they be able to kind of, you know, live up to the hype from last year? Will they be able to kind of recreate that magic? And so far, Jacksonville has done that. So, you know, I got to shut up on Jacksonville. Jacksonville so looks like they're they're on their way to having a big time year. Big time year. So, yeah, that's basically the NFL in a nutshell, the first two weeks of the NFL season. So it's going to be interesting what happens when you're going in. Um, I don't want to get in on my Jets. Of course, it's typical Todd Bowles, typical Todd Bowles led team. You know, you have a big win week one, big win. And I know that it was, you know, a little bit of a mirage and, you know, a little bit of the Jets not being as good and, the you know, the Lions not being that bad. But I mean, you have a big win and then you come out and you completely lay a fucking egg against the fucking Dolphins. A completely lay an egg. Completely lay an egg. I mean, you got Quincy and Newman basically saying that we weren't ready to play. I mean, how are you not ready to play in a home opener? You're a home opener. Coming off a huge victory on Monday Night Football with your franchise quarterback playing well. How are you not ready to play? How are you not ready to play? How are you not ready to play? It's beyond me. Beyond me. But that's the NFL, weeks one and two. So we'll see what happens in week three and going forward. Uh, we'll see. Um, not much to talk about in college football. Um, the only thing I would say is there's four great dominant teams and everybody else is playing catch up. And I can make an argument that there's one truly great dominant team and everybody else is playing catch up. I mean, Alabama, I mean, who's beating Alabama? Like Alabama's unfair. Like let's let's go out. Let's just go. Let's just go ahead and put it on the table. Alabama's fucking unfair. Like all these years, Alabama's just been this juggernaut defensively, but now they have a fucking quarterback, and they have monsters at receiver. I mean, they've always had good receivers, but you know, now they have a quarterback that I could actually get them the ball. It's. I mean, who's beating that team? Now their defense is not as good as it's been. They've kind of flipped a little bit, kind of like how Stanford flipped a little bit. You know, their offense is a little bit ahead of their of their defense. 
Alabama's in that similar boat. Their defense is still good. Don't get me wrong, but you know, man, that all. I mean, and I thought Ole Miss was actually going to play well in that game. I actually had Ole Miss being competitive with Alabama, and they just completely blew them out of the water. Completely. I mean, it was it was a mismatch. I mean, you would have thought Ole Miss was you know South Toledo State. Some also ran. So Alabama, man. Now. The SEC West is tough. LSU, that was a hell of a that was a hell of a win by LSU. I didn't see that one coming. That quarterback is good. Burroughs is good. See, Burroughs is see, Burroughs is proof that sometimes you just need a guy that can just make plays. And LSU just needs a guy that makes plays. You don't need a superstar at quarterback in LSU because you know their offensive line is still, their lines are always good. Their O lines and their D lines are always good. They've got obviously a great defense. They've got competent receivers and they got a competent running game. They just need a quarterback that could just make the throws when they need to. And Burroughs is that guy. And I was impressed with Burroughs. And the statistics don't won't show, oh, my God, he had a great game. But when that team needed him to make plays, he made plays. And I've been impressed with Burroughs. I've been impressed with Burroughs the first couple games of the season. So LSU looks like they're, they're back. Auburn is still very good. I'm not going to take anything away from Auburn. Auburn's good. Auburn's really good. Stidham is – I love Stidham as a quarterback. I think he's a phenomenal college quarterback. Their running game is not as good as it was last year. They don't have a carry-on Johnson that they can lean on, and that's a problem for Auburn because we all know how that offense is predicated on the run. But I think off, but I think Auburn is still really good. And then, obviously, you got Mississippi State. I'm not ready to put Mississippi State on the Auburn-LSU level, but obviously Mississippi State's played well. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be very, very interesting the next couple weeks in college football. Anyways, I got my man Ray Jarvis, host of the Gray Area Podcast, coming on the show. He's our guest this week. We're going to break down this uh, this Jimmy Butler trade or this Jimmy Butler trade request that blew up Twitter earlier, it seems like. I don't understand that. Jimmy Butler is not that great, but we'll get into that. Uh, we'll also get into LeBron going in L.A. He's done some coverage on that. Um, and we'll also get into his thoughts on the NFL season, you know, basically two weeks in. So uh, he's a good dude, man. He, he does great work over there at the Gray Area Podcast and at Sport, uh, Elite Sports New York. And uh, he's going to be joining us here in a couple minutes. I've been trying to get him on the show for a couple weeks. And uh, we finally lined it up this week. So uh, I think you guys will really enjoy that spot. He's only going to be on with us for a little bit because he's got to run, unfortunately. But we will try to have him on longer. But uh, I think you guys will definitely enjoy it. So we're going to take a quick break and then we'll have Ray Jarvis on. All right. So stick around. We'll be back. Welcome back to the podcast, and I am joined by Mr. Ray Jarvis, host of the Gray Area Podcast, and uh, also you do some uh, some contributing work for Elite Sports New York, right? I do, I do. Um, you know, they they reached out to me; they wanted the podcast on 
on Elite Sports New York, and then I decided, you know, why not start sports writing? I I, I can write. I, I hate to do it, but then I'm like, you know what? It's all inclusive. <laughs> And, and if it helps generate listeners to the show, if they read a little piece, you know, this piece is dope. Let me see what he's talking about. I figure I'm selling myself and I'm giving people sports the way they want to hear it, the way they want to read it, you know? Absolutely. I feel you. I'm I'm kind of in a similar boat. Like, somebody, a lot of people told me to, yo, start writing, start writing. And I'm good at it, but I just hate doing it. So, I, I definitely, I definitely understand. But yeah, Ray Jarvis, host of the Gray Area Podcast. If you guys haven't checked it out, it's available everywhere. Anywhere you can find podcasts is there. So check it out. The man does excellent work. Uh, before we get into it, man, I just always like to give my guests a quick bio, a quick introduction. Like for the listeners that haven't heard you or ever checked out your work, just tell them a little bit about yourself. Tell them how you get started podcasting, although you already gave a brief intro, I guess, to that. Um, just tell them about your podcast, uh, just a little brief bio about yourself and, and how you got started or whatnot. Since 2014, it started out real grassroots. I had a show called uh, Car Sessions with a former co-host. Uh, the whole idea was, you know, sports doesn't get told the way we talk it, like inside of like a barbershop where we just keep it funky. So it was like we would do car sessions to get people sports the way we feel like they they really want to hear it as opposed to the ESPN way of doing things. Mm-hmm. Then once that faded away, I realized that, you know, it's a lot of misinformation as far as sports media. It's a lot of narratives, narratives being pushed and not enough facts. A lot of times people choose sides and, and, and the facts are in the middle or in the gray area. So I decided to launch the gray area as a way to give people the facts. I'm never really choosing a side. I'm 100% upfront with the listeners. Either I like it or I don't like it. But I'm never going to tell you that you should agree with me, whatever the case may be. I'm just telling you the facts as I see it from the gray area somewhere in the middle. So, like, LeBron, as, as a lot of times you listen to the show, I might bash LeBron James and then break LeBron James. But you know, sometimes with LeBron, you got to either love him or you hate him. And I'm like, I'm going to bash him and I'm going to praise him at the same time because I can do that. So that's me, Ray Jarvis, host of the gray area. If you want facts, if you don't want narratives, you just want someone that's going to tell you exactly how they feel, I'm your guy. Absolutely. He's he's right about that, man. I, I found the podcast and uh, like the work. So we connected and uh, here he is, man. So dude does definitely definitely does great work. So check him out. Um, so, yeah, let's get into it, man. I guess. Well, you, you kind of buried the lead a little bit. Um, one of the big pieces that you've been working on, I know, on Elite Sports New York and then definitely on the podcast is LeBron and his whole transition over into L.A., um, I, I guess it was no big secret. Obviously, the whole NBA season last year was about the decision part three. And, yes, you know, the ramifications of that. And it, it was kind of a not so subtle secret. I, I, I'm a Laker fan. So I'm like, I've, I've always been like, I don't want LeBron because I'm a LeBron. I'm a card carrying LeBron James hater, like <laughs> proud member of that. I've bashed this man his whole career. Like, I mean, of course, I'm like you. No one's going to ever take away his talents. No one's going to ever take away his greatness. Definitely one of the the five to ten greatest basketball players we've ever lived. I I can quibble about Top two, top three, it's all subjective at the end of the day, obviously. We're not gonna get into that, but um we all know that we all know his greatness. You'd be an idiot to argue that. Um, but I just like I just didn't want the LeBron drama. I didn't want everything that comes along with LeBron. And I've always said this, like, I'm a LeBron James, the basketball player hater. Like, you can't hate the man. The man does great work outside for his community, he's done good things, he's an outstanding brother, never gets in trouble. So I've always said that, like the athlete, the the player, the basketball player, from basketball fan to basketball player, I can't stand LeBron, but as a person, like 
I, I have nothing to say about LeBron James. So that's always been how I've kind of broken that down. But talk about just basically talk about how this whole thing went and like just your thoughts on how everything did you think it was a did you think it was a done deal that he was definitely going to LA did it was it a was it a situation where you're like okay we, we kind of got to see a little bit like just break down everything from your perspective on how you felt about the whole LeBron James situation and his basically the decision part three well you know first of all I want to give you credit for saying that you don't dislike LeBron James the person there's a few people, you know, that we come across as sports fans who can't seem to differentiate the athlete, the character that we see on television mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. the person. You exactly. Know, like I, I'm, a, I'm a Kobe Bryant fan, just to go off on a tangent. And there's people who hate Kobe and they never met the guy. I, I don't know. I don't know Kobe being Bryant off the court. I love Kobe the Laker. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Can so, you say that is very refreshing because there's certain people who really can't differentiate the two. But going to the LeBron question. I'll be 100 with you because that's that's what I try to do. I didn't see this coming. Like I heard it. But more often than not, when you follow the sports, you follow the media, you don't necessarily – if they keep telling you that player A is going to city B and they keep beating you over the head with that for a whole entire season, more often than not, that move doesn't transpire. I mean, we kind of saw it with Paul George. Everyone saw Paul George is going to be a Laker, and then he stayed in Oklahoma City. Yeah. I – LeBron James would leave Cleveland again. Not necessarily because he likes Cleveland or Dan Gilbert or anything like that, but because he didn't want that that narrative attached to him of leaving the city again, being a ring chaser later in his career, and the fact that, as I call him, Teflon Braun, he won a championship. He's a made man. He didn't want to toss away that goodwill. So I didn't necessarily see that LA move coming. And to be frank, if you as a, I'm also a Lakers fan. LeBron has been quote unquote coming to LA since 2014, since the last, since the, 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 when he left Miami. Right. There was rumors about him coming to the Lakers. You've been hearing about Lakers talk since the last run of, of Kobe Bryant's career around 2011, 2012. There's right. rumors of a LeBron to LA deal, Cup Jack and Company trying to make some things happen. So I didn't believe it. But, you know, when it happened, it was like, oh, wait a minute, he's really trying to come. And he kind of checkmated me because what he did was. He came to a situation that was not ready-made. He believes in himself 100% enough to know that regardless of the situation, I'm LeBron James and I can go anywhere in any conference with any player and ball out. He, he, he controls the narrative once again because that's what he is. LeBron James is the narrative police. You control the narrative because you can't. Now, LeBron James haters like, like you, the host, can't say that he ran with a superstar team. Absolutely. And with the young guys, Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, so on and so forth. We can't kill him now because he came to play with some kids. It was a checkmate move. And, of course, we know the Hollywood ramifications of his move as well. So it's good business and it's good basketball across the board. You know, on, on a personal level, as a person who loves Kyrie Irving, who loves Steph Curry, this is a move that's a bit of a like a conundrum for me because now I have to cheer for LeBron against guys that I enjoy watching them right it's a tricky situation right no i know I'm, I'm i'm with you dog it's amazing how we're like succinct right now like i'm i'm I've, i feel everything that you just said I, I i've been feeling for years like and and of course who you you know as a lebron james hater like you enjoy watching him lose in the finals and and now he's on your team and you know how when it first popped off everybody laughing and bashing like ah y'all niggas got a root for lebron now all these years knocking him and i'm just like yo it's a business decision like i don't like him 
as a basketball player. But if he comes to my team, it, it, I, I, I kind of compared it to the whole Dwight Howard situation. Like I was never a Dwight Howard fan. But when he got traded to the Lakers, I, I was like, yo, this helps the Lakers. It only helps the Lakers. It doesn't hurt the Lakers. Now, obviously, I didn't I didn't have a crystal ball in front of me. I didn't know that that was going to turn out to be such a disaster and he was going to leave. But at the time, I was like, yo, it's a business decision. I don't like him. But if he helps my team win championships, that's all that matters. You know what I'm saying? I will root for him, the Laker player. I'm, I won't be rah, rah, oh, LeBron's my guy. Because I'm not going to be phony like that. Like, oh, yeah, LeBron's my boy. Like, oh, that's my dude. That's my guy now. All of a sudden, like, no, no, no. That's that's, that's phony. It's a business decision. He's a Laker. I root for Lakers. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, that's that's what it is. I don't mean to jump in. I, I'm sorry to jump in. But it's no, like, you go ahead. Go ahead. Facebook, and he's like, he, he spent his whole time cheering against LeBron and now he doesn't know if he's going to be a Laker fan anymore because he can't cheer for LeBron and this and that. Nah, stupid. And I'm like, fam, if you're a Laker fan, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. Who, who plays for the team? And and I say this jokingly, but as fans, there's plenty of guys that we've hated who played for the Lakers. Yeah. LeBron will be the first guy that we didn't like who played on our squad. I didn't like Julius Randle at all. But he was a Laker. And if he made a layup to win the game, I was cheering. Exactly. Like, what's the difference? I hated Matt Barnes. Bruh, like, I hated mad cats that the Lakers had back in the day. Or in throughout history, throughout my Laker fandom. The guys that were the enemy that became Lakers. Like, dude, like, that's just... I, I root for the Lakers. I root for the franchise. I root for the name on the front of the jersey. I don't root for the names at the back, per se. I mean, obviously, that's always a little bit of a, of a false narrative. Because, obviously, you have favorite players and guys that you latch on to. In our case, Kobe, you know, <clears throat> so of course, but, but, but general rule of thumb, if you're a real fan, you root for the franchise, you root for the team, you root for the names in the front. You know what I'm saying? You don't root for the names in the back because those guys come and go, you know, at the end of the day, the Jersey still stays the same. The, the franchise still stays the same. So, and I think it's the fact that certain people don't want to be 100. They don't want to just say, you know what? I love Kobe. Well, it's just it was just the media. It's like the media, man. Everybody has to have their angle. Everybody has to have their agenda, and they're gonna drive their agenda to the ground. Like, you know what I'm saying? And it's like they they're so mad at the media for constantly pushing LeBron. Let's call a spade a spade. They they've tried to like erase Kobe from the NBA lore as soon as he retired. That there's there's a bit of bitterness when it comes to LeBron, but they don't want to admit it. But I'm I'm not one of those guys. If LeBron James decides he wants to dunk on Kyrie Irving, Kyrie's a Celtic. So by default now, if he dunks on Kyrie, I'm going to cheer for LeBron. Sorry, guys. It is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't make you a phony. It doesn't make me a phony. Again, I, I don't I still does I still don't care for the man because you can't go 16 years hating a guy and all of a sudden, oh, I'm his favorite. I mean he's my favorite player. Like, of course not. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's it's a it's a it, it, it takes some time there. It takes some time there. But I mean, of course, it's a business decision. At the end of the day, if he helps us win championships. You know, that's the ultimate goal. That's to be the ultimate goal of any organization, of any fan, is to win championships. So, um, so with that said, um, how do you see this all playing out? Like, obviously, he's a Laker now. He's a Laker for the next four years. Um, you would think that this is kind of the last four years of his career. Um, you know, I mean, he may stick around after that. Who knows? Depending on his health, depending on how, you know, he maintain. I mean, we all know LeBron is a is a physical specimen, but he is 32, 33 years age, of age. By the time this contract's over, he'll be 36, 34, 37. You know, even LeBron James is going to have some wear and tear eventually. <clears throat> so how do you see this all playing out? Or do you see this being a situation where, you know, it's going to take a year to kind of gel and blend? And then, um, 
<clears throat> and then eventually, um, <clears throat> you know, the championships will come. Or how do you see this happening exactly? How do you see this kind of all playing out? Um, <clears throat> I look at this situation as this particular season, the number that I have circled is 54 wins. Mm-hmm. Not just because we added LeBron James, but because if you look at the Lakers team, if, you, if you're being objective, they won 35 games last year where their roster wasn't ever healthy for, for extended stretches of the season. Facts. If you 82 games, or let's say 75 games from Lonzo Ball, 75 games with Brandon Ingram, you add in the fact that we lost a few games merely because we didn't have the experience to close games. The Lakers should have at least had 42 wins. Oh, absolutely. Season. Absolutely. Right? So now you add in the experience factor. Now you add in the natural progression of second and third year guys like Lonzo, B.I., Coos, Josh Hart, so on and so forth. We we had another good draft as well. I know I'm forgetting some of the young guys, but that's okay. Um KCP for another year. Oh, and God. Then, don't bring up KCP. I can't stand KCP, but go you, ahead. You know what? I couldn't stand him, but fair is fair. He got better as the season He's He's okay, but I just, I don't know. I just, he's, yeah, he just got right. on my nerves a couple times. Like, you know the games I'm talking about. The the the, the buzzer beaters that he missed, you know what I'm saying? The, just the shot, the wild shots he'd be taking. Like, yeah. Right. His shot selection is, is, is putrid, and it, it made me angry. We play high. The Lakers have to be efficient to win games. We have to maximize each and every possession prior to LeBron to win games. And then you have this bozo coming off curls, <laughs> like, like one pass into the possession, and he's pulling up a shot. It's like, wait a minute. We didn't even run the offense yet. Slow down, KCP, you know, with your long-ass name. But, but that's besides the point. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you're telling me now that we won 35 games, we should have won at least 42. And essentially, we traded Josh Julius Randle for LeBron James, of course we're going to improve. It, to me, when I look at the media and I'm seeing, oh, I'm not sure if the Lakers are going to make the playoffs. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Went, I yeah. have this, I have that. I'm like, you guys are, are dumb. cowards in the media. And some of you are dumb. But to me, it's a lot of cowardice. A lot of the media, they've been spending all these years post-Phil, late Kobe, post-Powell, bashing the Lakers that now they can't, they can't just hop on. So they'd rather hedge just in case the Lakers are still bad so they can say, well, I never said they'd be good. Well, right? you know what it is? They haven't paid attention to the Lakers because they have oh, been so bad. So they don't know that Kyle Kuzma balled out last year. He had better numbers than, than, uh, than um, you know, my guy Jason Tatum. And I love Jason Tatum. I love his talent. I'm a Duke guy. Of course I love right. Jason Tatum. But he had better numbers than Jason Tatum. Like yeah, Kyle Kuzma. Don't, don't know with Kyle Kuzma that... Brandon Ingram actually had a better season than Kuzma on the on the lowest of keys. Shout out to the homie just plays. Absolutely, yep. Kuz, he can play. This is no slander against him, but as far as dynamic, multi-dimensional basketball, Bi does everything. Exactly. There's a reason why he didn't get thrown out the window via a trade. There's a reason why people who really know basketball quietly are looking at the Lakers like, yo. But I'm, I've been on day one. I've had fallouts of people because of Lonzo. Because to me, Lonzo Ball, I don't know for you, but for me, Lonzo Ball shows me who really knows ball and who stat watches and highlight watches. He exposed that for me this season with a lot of people. People go, oh, he sucks, he's trash. I'm like, he's 10-7-7 seven, and seven, 
And when he wasn't on the court, the Lakers couldn't win games for a while. So exactly. Lonzo, Lonzo, I, I, I've... I, I think Lonzo's a tremendous talent. Yeah, he's got some holes in his game. He's got some things to work on. But I, I said it last year. I saw it when I first saw him play at UCLA. I was like, yo, this kid is a bigger, a little bit more athletic, more explosive Rajon Rondo. That's what he is. He has the court vision. He has the, 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 I mean, you can't teach that court vision. You can't teach that ability to play point guard. And I told people, I was like, yo, if he fit, the shot has to be fixed. Don't get me wrong. The shot has to be fixed. Like you, you, you can't shoot twenty nine percent. Like you just can't in the NBA. Like you just, right. you can't. That has to be <clears throat> exactly. So it has to be. So the exactly. So the shot has to be fixed. But the dude has all this. I, I told everybody, I was like, yo, if this dude fixes his shot, it's a, it's a problem. It's a problem. <laughs> like it should be thankful that his shot was broken. Exactly. Because he'd have been fifteen seven and seven or fifteen eighty eight. And I think. And I think he struggled. And I think the biggest thing with Lonzo was that people hated his dad. So by so by so by definition, they hated the kid. They didn't even they didn't have time to even study the kids, study his game. They just hated his fucking pops. And look, I don't even pay and and, and, I, and my whole thing last year was like, why are y'all even giving this man attention? Like he's his dad. He's the, he's just he has his fifteen moments, fifteen minutes in the in the sun. He's trying to get his fame. He's trying to get his shine. I don't pay him attention. I find him funny personally because I don't take anything he says seriously. He's a hype man. Like, oh yeah, my son's the greatest basketball player since 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 Michael Jordan. Like, okay, like I don't fucking pay attention to it. It's fucking it's Lavar. Like, he's a character to me. Like, you know what I'm saying? I don't pay him any attention. Like, he is what he is. That's the media creating drones of yeah, the human beings. Exactly. You know? yeah. People really started to like, like. Come on, we you should know off the rip that that. This guy, LaVar Ball, is not meant to be taken seriously. It's when I see LaVar Ball, I think pro wrestling. Instantly. <laughs> he's, he's like Bobby the Brain Heenan. He's a dude who had the megaphones with Hulk Hogan. He's Paul Heyman with Brock Lesnar. He's all of these guys. Exactly. Don't take him seriously. Exactly. They helped themselves. They took him seriously. Now they want Lonzo to fail. Going back to that Sweet 16 game against Kentucky, they've been wanting Lonzo to fail ever since then. What's gonna, what are they going to do now that LeBron James is in L.A.? And Lonzo Ball's IQ along with LeBron James' IQ is going to make the Lakers a lot, a lot more live. Like, a lot of people are about to be upset. I'm here to tell you. Oh, I, I know. I, I, I think it's going to take him a couple games. I think it's going to take him a few weeks, maybe a month or two to find, to get it, to get in, 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 you know, get everything succinct. But I, I, I agree with you. I, I've, I've got them at somewhere between 52 to 54, 55 wins. I think that's the, I think that's the ceiling for them. I think they're going to be, I think they're going to be one of the top three or four teams in the West. Um, I, they're not going to beat the Warriors this year. I think the Warriors are just going to, I, I just think the Warriors want to, I think the Warriors want to create history. I think they want to win, you know, four and five years. I think they want to do that. I think they want to be a three-peat type of team. I think they want to be a historic dynastic team. So I think the Warriors are going to be motivated by that. I don't think anybody's beating the Warriors this year. And then I think they're going to take, I think they're, I think the next three years, after this year is going to be where you're going to see this Laker team be in contention for championships. Not this year. I mean, well, they'll be in contention technically speaking because they'll be a top four team. But right. you know, you'll see this team kind of be what it, what we think it's going to be in the next three years for sure. So okay. yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Fifty four and then a second round knockout. That's that's my ceiling. For oh, me. I think they can get to a conference final. Like I think, I think, yeah, I think they can. I think, I think it all depends on how everybody, how everything, all the pieces get put right. together, and everybody plays their role. And LeBron, if he stays healthy, all that. But I think they're a conference finalist. Like, I, I, dude, I don't. I think Houston missed their opportunity. 
I really I do. I think Houston had Golden State dead, dead to rights. I don't want to hear excuses about Chris Paul got got hurt. First of all, Chris Paul's always hurt. Number one, stay fucking healthy. Number two, okay. number two, like you got the MVP of your team. You have a you have the defending champions dead to rights in game seven at home in your building up by 20 and you lose that game i don't want to hear it i don't want to hear it i don't want excuses i don't want keep saying oh if, if cp3 would have played blah 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 but i'm here to tell people that if iguodala never got hurt the series would have been over exactly they forget that dog thank you they forget that matter of fact the warriors fucking gagged two games in that series they could have easily they could have easily won game four and they could have easily won game five they gagged those two games away agreed and i, I tell they, they you know they, they what they do is when you say that to them is that you can't compare Iguodala's impact to cp3's impact so like for your listeners who might be rolling their eyes at this conversation what I explained to them is is that the NBA system is designed to be a pillar-based system. Most championship teams have two pillars, right? Right. You know? You can probably survive for an extended period of time if one of your pillars gets hurt. Golden State is a chain link. They're not a pillar team. So they are some of all they parts. If you break a chain link, right? Mm-hmm. It's no good anymore. It has to happen. They're not going to win. Anybody could get hurt. It could be Draymond. It could be Clay. It could be Steph. It could be Iguodala. They're not going to win a championship without their full allotment of players. So losing Iguodala knocked their whole rotation out of balance. You had a bozo like Kevin Looney on the floor taking minutes away from guys. who, who like, I couldn't understand when Iguodala got hurt. Where was JaVale? JaVale McGee couldn't get off the bench to save his life. Exactly. So if you ask me that, Kevin Looney on the floor there helped Houston's rotation offensively. You got this tall guy who's, who's not a rim protector, who's not going to come out on the perimeter to defend a three-point shot, who was an offensive liability. Of course, the series went seven games. So listen, guys. Pillar is not chain list. Look, take, take your time and really study the game. Now, you're going over the heads, man. You're going over the heads. <laughs> You're going over some of the people's heads. Nah, but I feel you, man. I, I definitely feel you. But no, but just going back to the Laker conversation, like, bro, like, I, I think I think the Lakers absolutely can get to a conference final next year. I mean, uh, to me, I, I think I'm not gonna sit there and say they're better than Houston, but I think they can compete with Houston, especially if they if they if everything breaks right and everything and if you know Kuzma takes that next step, Brandon Ingram takes that next step, LeBron is LeBron. Like, they can compete with Houston. Absolutely, they can compete with Houston. <laughs> Like if they can get to the three seed Houston as a two, then I, I would take us over Houston. But if we end up running a Golden State in the second round, yeah, 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 no, no, definitely the matchups and how the records, you know, situate. But I'm telling you, they they, they definitely because outside of Houston, who else in the West? That's another thing. Like who else in the West? Portland? No. Oklahoma City? No. Who else? There's, there, there is nobody. Exactly. Right That's what I'm sitting here saying. Like well, who else? Who else? New, New I mean, Orleans. New Orleans is kind of locked. Eh, New Orleans is a one-man team. And if Drew Holiday decides to show up some days. Like, New Orleans is, and, and I love AD, trust me. I, that man is is a problem. But they're a one-man team. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I'm not I'm not intimidated by New Orleans. I'm really not. And Alvin Gentry, to me, I still don't understand how he still has a job. But, hey, like, it is what it is. He did a good, he, I won't bash Alvin Gentry. He surprised me last year. He actually got that team yeah. into the playoffs and played well. So, yeah, I think you know. he's in New Orleans. They're not, they're not about to run out of town. He's he's fine. Yeah, I mean, you know, to me, they ran out Monty Williams. Still to this day, I don't understand how they ran out Monty Williams. Monty Williams was way better coach than than Alvin Gentry, but whatever. Um, 
Yeah. So I mean, like everybody else in the West, like who's who else is in the West that's even competing with us? If we if we fire on all cylinders, who else outside of Houston and Golden State? I'm not putting us. OKC should improve without Melo. <sighs> OKC, dog. I, I, you may disagree with me on this. I don't. I love Russell Westbrook's talent. I hate him as a basketball player, and I know that doesn't make sense, but. <laughs> I I I just don't think that Russell Westbrook that that team's not going to win with Russell Westbrook. They're just not. They're just not. I, I, and I to me, Paul George is the most over. Paul George should thank his agent that he got that money. <laughs> Paul George. Every I feel like for years people have been telling me Paul George is great, and I'm just like, where? Like why? How? What am I? What am? What is the evidence that he's great? He's a very good basketball player. I'm not. I'm not trying to dog him, but people put superstar labels around guys that are average or not average. People put people put superstar labels around guys that are good. They put. Uh, I think it goes back. Most people will tell you when it goes to Paul George, they always look back to the, those Indiana teams that had that that little like two or three year. Yeah. Break. But I tell him, you look. He he wasn't like this megastar. If you look at, like, let's simplify. It. If you go look at his career stats, he's never had one season where he at least averaged twenty five a game in one season. I'm like, this is a superstar in the Eastern Conference. You can average twenty five a night, and then on top of that, they had one of the best defensive teams in the league. Exactly, the best defensive big. They had one of the best power forwards. They had mm-hmm. Lance Lance is very useful as a starter. Mm-hmm. They had a good squad. It wasn't like he was by himself. Right. But right. the thing about Paul George is he had a couple of moments. It goes back to highlight watching. Yeah. He had the, when he dunked on Birdman against Miami in the conference finals. They had the follow-up season where he won 60 games. He had a couple of highlights. He had a few moments. He's had he's never had anything consistent where he dominated for an entire season. But it's like if if you got the TNT game or the ABC game and he shows up and drops 30, oh, he looks the part. This guy's amazing. That's Paul George. You know, when I did it with the gray area, I did the all-hood pass team. I put him on there because the hood loves Paul George. That's the kind of guy that they look at. Mm. When you when you create an NBA player, he kind of looks like in your head. He looks like Paul George, man. Yeah. You know, you got a little swag about him. He got his own kicks and kicks of fire. He does. He checks every box you want. You know, as as a ball player. But then you look at you look at it, and then on that random Tuesday night in, in like Memphis, he only had nine points on like two for fifteen shooting. You wonder how's look look at the closeout game against Indiana. Dog, look at the look at the playoffs last year he got he got smashed by joe Ingles. exactly my point and in, in that game six closeout game in utah I, funny enough you i think he was two for 16 in that game could not be found and that's what paul george does he just randomly disappears and in my opinion superstars don't randomly disappear especially after you nickname yourself playoff p playoff p is supposed to be there for a night right exactly the postseason absolutely Especially when you have a guy like Russell Westbrook next to you, which means you'll never see a double team. You should be able to dominate. You didn't dominate. Facts. As a Russell Westbrook, I agree with you 100% on that as well. I call him Russell Chasebrook. He's a stat chaser. Yep. I don't like when I say that. It is what it is. Like You know, you have players who, who impact the game and they move the game and they favor with what they do best. I've always said this. Russell Westbrook doing what he does best doesn't translate to victories. If he's, he's a, He has a mentality of a number two, of a number one, but the game over number two, yep. you know, and Absolutely. it's like people get mad at Kevin Durant for leaving. And I'm saying, if I'm Kevin Durant, people, people never want to look at it from the basketball perspective. He left a situation where he had carte blanche at OKC to be a part of a group, a part of a unit in Golden State. 
Didn't that, didn't that like make you raise your eyebrows? Like he ran away from Westbrook to go to a more team friendly situation. Bro, you you preach this to the choir, man. Westbrook will be chucking him in the fourth quarter. The better player, Drew, taking that silly pull up jump shot that never goes in when it matters. Late fourth quarter turnovers, but mm-hmm. people are mad at Durant for leaving. A low efficiency, high usage point guard of Russell Westbrook doesn't translate to championships. I'm sorry, triple doubles or no triple doubles. High usage, low efficiency, that's hustling backwards one on one. I have nothing to say. Facts. You 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 are preaching to the choir, man. I, I can't I mean it's everything that I've said for years and years about Russell Westbrook. So we we're in agreement, man. Um let's talk about Jimmy Butler real quick. Um, are you surprised about the, tr- the 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 trade? I mean, I guess you shouldn't be surprised. I mean, if you've been if you've been following the NBA wins for a while, um, something's been going on in Minnesota. That team just didn't seem right. Um, and I'm a Tibbs guy. I know people like the rag on Tibbs, but I think he's a hell of a coach. I think he's a good. It's just something about that fit. I don't know. I just what sometimes just things just don't work. Like you think that they should work, but they just don't. Like it, it for whatever reason, it hasn't worked in Minnesota. Um, something's going on in that locker room. I don't think all those pieces necessarily fit from a chemistry standpoint. Um, and now Jimmy Butler's asking for a trade. What's your thoughts on that? And what's your thoughts on Jimmy Butler? Cause I, you know, I tweeted this earlier. I was like, yo, did, since when did Jimmy Butler become a great player? Like this guy that everybody's supposed to fall over. Like I like Jimmy Butler as a player. Don't get me wrong, but he's, he's, he's another Paul George. He's a, he's a, to me, he's a poor man's Paul George. He's not as good. <clears throat> He's not as good. And he's a guy that overinflates his value. Like he thinks he's a superstar. He thinks he's great. Jimmy Butler is a good player on a, on a truly great team. Jimmy Butler is a third option. I'm being real. I'm real as fuck with you. Like he's a third option on a really good team. The funny thing about Jimmy Butler is, is that I was going to say exactly what you said as far as Paul George goes. He is another Paul George. I, I won't disrespect him and call him a poor man. Paul George. Okay, he's a he's a he's the middle class Paul George. Let's just go that way. We'll go that way. <laughs> to me, they live on the same block, bro. Verbatim. <laughs> um, when, when I look at him, I think much like Paul George, the media, the social media appeal, you know, it gets to your head, it inflates you. You know, I, he's a good player, but as soon as he became an air quote superstar, because he's not a superstar, his defensiveness, his defensive ability, which made him a star in this league initially, has started to wane. Facts. His offensive game that he started to lean on more is not even like extremely dynamic. Like I'm not afraid of Jimmy Butler beating me on offense at all. Nope. Like I don't know if there's one defense in the league that says we gotta stop Jimmy Butler from beating us. No, like, he doesn't have like, a consistent mid range game. He can't stretch the floor and shoot the three. He doesn't have a post game. He's a slasher at his core. That doesn't last in the NBA. You probably mm-hmm. get about your prime years and about like what 29, 30. Mm-hmm. Once that first step starts to dissipate. Yep. The game is crap, you know? Facts. Where I, differ, where I differentiate from you is I never liked tips from Minnesota. I did a podcast back in the car sessions era where I like I, I think Tibbs and, and my man from, from the Washington uh, Wizards, they got hired around the same time, Scott Brooks, and I did a whole episode on these guys saying these are two terrible hires back-to-back. And thus far, I've been right. To me, wow. Tibbs is not the guy that you, you hire if you have a young team. You know, that was not the move at all, especially if you have a Carl Anthony Towns and an Andrew Wiggins. They had Zach Levine at the time, but then they, they drafted Chris Dunn. That was a disaster. Needed, 
what you needed at that time was was a more offensive minded coach, kind of like how the Lakers went and they got Luke Walter for the young pups because they they wanted to run, they wanted they wanted to get out of rugby, easy bucket, space and floor, shoot threes, have fun. Tibbs and Cat has never been a good marriage. I agree and, with you. Yeah. And then Tibbs goes out here and he's bringing in bull after bull after bull after bull. This is a bad move. And then now you have what is it? Rumors about uh, Jimmy Butler supposedly messing with Carl Anthony Towns' girlfriend. Jimmy Butler rubbing Andrew Wiggins the wrong way. Yeah. Minnesota, Minnesota offering that bag to, to Jimmy Butler, even though him and Andrew Wiggins are essentially the same, same player. player. Yep. It, it was, it, it's poor management across the board. Well, the. Th- well, the problem is the problem is that they, you know, t- they brought in Tibbs in a similar situation like Stan Van Gundy, where they they gave him a, a lot of money and they gave him a lot of power. And the problem with Tibbs is, and the problem with these coaches, you can't do both. You can't be the coach, can't be the GM. You, it, it doesn't work in basketball. It doesn't work. It works a little bit in the NFL. Obviously, we we see Belichick do that, but for the most part, it doesn't work. You can't do both roles. It, it, it's it's hard. The league is changing, right? And at some point. It's going to have to be a realization where guys like Tibbs, guys like Stan Van, there's no room for them in this league. Anymore. Well, I don't I don't think that. I also, I, I do, I think it's quick to, and it's easy to blame the coach. And I get it. The coaches, the coach are, are easily, are easierly replaceable than, than guys, than superstars, quote unquote. But to me, I think, I think Andrew, I've never, I've never been an Andrew Wiggins fan. I never loved him in college. This was a guy that had all that hype. It went to Kansas and did nothing. Okay. You can blame the system. You can blame this. You can blame that. But the fact of the matter is this was a guy that was looked at as a superstar, as a once in a generation talent. I was never impressed with them in college i thought jabari parker was better and if jabari parker hadn't hurt his knees he'd be better than andrew wiggins that's a fact um and i've never been an andrew wiggins fan andrew wiggins has all the talent in the world but he's never put it together and let's be fair carl anthony towns has regressed now how much of that had now how much of that is tibbs and carl anthony towns we can have an we can have a we can have a consistent debate but you know i i don't i don't i don't absolve the players in this like those guys have to be better but this is why I'm saying there's no room for Tibbs in, in the Stan Vance. Part of the reason why Jimmy Butler was there, a majority of the reasons, because Tibbs was there. Mm-hmm. Tibbs' and belief system, Tibbs and his lack of developing these young guys is the reason why you're saying he's regressed. Great. Yeah, all these young players, when they come into the league, as much as their talent speaks for itself, it's also coaching that's going to get you to the next level. Right. Again, we can, we can talk about Kobe for a second. Kobe with Del Harris was cool. When Kobe got with Phil, and that Afro grew out, it was a different type of ball game. Exactly. It's up to the coaches to, to to take you to that next level, and Tibbs and what he does best does not mesh well with Carl Anthony. So I'm telling you, as soon as Jimmy Butler gets traded, I bet you Tibbs is gone within ten months from now. He'll be about out the door. As well. Yeah, I think it, I, I agree with you. I think oh, it, I think it's it's I, I, it, it was just a bad marriage. It didn't work um, for whatever the reason. Um, it just didn't work. And yeah, I mean, I think the, the the Butler situation is interesting. So where do you see him ended up? Obviously, there's room. Obviously, there's the you know he has his choices. First of all, I don't. I, he doesn't have leverage. Not, nobody. First of all, he's a free agent. No or an impending free agent. And no smart team. And I don't put Nixon. I don't put the Knicks in that category because they do have a a jackass for an owner. So I'm not going to put them in that category. I can see that the Knicks are the one team that I would see like, oh yeah, let's trade all of our assets to get Jimmy Butler, who's a free agent, and we can just go ahead and sign him in the offseason anyway. But if I'm a GM, I'm like, yo, I'm not trading my assets. I'm not trading from a from a position of strength to put myself in a position of weakness. Like he's going to be a free agent anyway. Like I'll take my risks. 
that I'll be one of the 30 teams that, that'll, that'll, you know, romance him in free agency. I'd rather do that than give up my assets. Like if I'm the Knicks, if, if I'm any organization, you know, if I'm, you know, there's rumors that obviously he wants to go to either the Nets or the Clippers or the, <clears throat> or the Knicks. Like if you're any one of these three franchises, like why would you give up your assets to trade for these guys? Now I, I think it's, I think the Knicks are the team with the most assets out of those three. Like I don't think the Clippers have much assets besides some draft picks. And I and I don't know what the I mean we all know the Nets are are the Nets so I don't oh. even know how many assets they have per se but if I'm a team out there I'm like well, I'm not really risking myself and my assets to trade for Jimmy Butler like when I can sign him for a free agent but there is one team that I could see trading for him and I'm gonna ask, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a wait for you to give me your point first and then I'm gonna tell you what the team is Go ahead. like what's your what's your thoughts like where do you see that so do you hey do you see him getting traded? this season or right now before the season starts or even by February or, and then where do you see his destination or the likely destination? Well, Jimmy Buffett, you could kind of tap him as a former Timberwolf as of right now with, with everything that's transpired, all the deteriorating relationships with the teammates, the front office, etc. I don't believe he starts the season as a Timberwolf. And even if the season starts, I don't think he touches the court until he's moved. I think this relationship is over with. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the rumors right now are indicating that the Clippers are, are his choice destination. You know, I don't think Bozo Nation, a.k.a. the Knicks, are going to trade anyone for him. Because if I look at their roster outside of the, the broken unicorn, and Kevin Knox, they really don't have anybody that Minnesota will want. Ironically, if you actually look at the cupboard of, of the Nets and the amount of wings that they have at their disposal, the Nets actually have a package where they could trade for Jimmy Butler, and it won't hurt him as much. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be an addition. They have they have Dan Witty, they have D'Angelo Russell, they have Allen Crabb, just to name a few guys who play the wing. Um, they have pieces that, that they could put a deal together. What I would say is the Knicks have the sexier pieces. Yeah. You know, pause. But I think that I think the Nets have, like you said, the more assets as far as just volume. Like they have right. guys that they can that can they can just trade easily. But the team that should probably get in the mix that could probably make a deal work money wise as far as contracts and and parts that could move are the Miami Heat. I think Miami needs to get in the mix with that and see if they can make something happen. You know, they had that foolish. Interesting. They signed, I forget his name, his last name is Johnson, number eight on that squad. Yeah, Tyler Johnson. Yeah. Tyler Johnson. They gave him four years, 50 million. I didn't understand that. I didn't understand that one. They contract. That's an waiting contract that can move as well. So off the rip, those two wings, even if you want to package both of them or one of them, a draft pick or something along those lines, you also factor in D-Wade's relationship with Jimmy Butler. That's a team that's a dark horse right now for me. Interesting. I yeah, Miami's definitely a dark horse. The, the team for me, and I haven't really thought of from a from a piece standpoint, like how, what trade assets would would each team exchange. Maybe I think it would probably be a situation where they would have to get maybe a third team or even a fourth team. Um, but to me, the team that I think that I would go after Jimmy Butler is New Orleans. That's a team for me that's an appealing team for New Orleans because I think I think New Orleans needs that second guy next to Anthony Davis, and I think he would compliment Anthony Davis. I think he would do a lot of the things that I think someone that's going to play with Anthony Davis needs to do. I think New Orleans needs to add, show Anthony Davis in the next couple of years that they're committed to winning long term or he's going to leave. Um, and I think they need more than Drew Holiday. Um, you know, could, you know, now would it be a situation where they would have to give up Drew Holiday? I don't know. Would the Timberwolves want Drew Holiday knowing that they have Jeff Teague there? Um, 
be an interesting thing. I haven't looked at the dynamics as far as what pieces would go into place. I, like I said, I would think it would be something where I think if the even if the Pelicans wanted to make that deal, I don't know if they have the assets. But I think to me, that's one team that just off the top of my head stands out. Um, you know, I could see definitely Miami. Um, that's another team. So, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think Miami, I would throw in New Orleans. Um, Clippers, because, you know, L.A., they're always in search for some kind of star, um, even if it is Jimmy Butler. Um, yeah, so I, I think the situation is interesting. Keep an eye on Boston as well. You, you have a lot of wings over there. You know, you don't know what's going to happen with uh, Gordon Hayward, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, uh, Marcus Smart. If things get kind of sticky in Boston, Jimmy Butler becomes viable. Really? Boston? Uh yeah, Remember, I mean the whole thing about Kyrie and and, and Jimmy Butler being a package deal in twenty eight twenty nineteen free agency that's something to rely on as well. So I'm I'm just throwing teams yeah, yeah no 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 I'm not saying you're wrong I'm just saying I'm just trying to think from a fit standpoint you know just seeing all the pieces that they already have anyway yeah I mean I think Boston and Danny Ainge is the ultimate you know what I'm saying deal maker so he's always in the mix for some shit I mean it, it feels like it feel, always sometimes it feels like Danny Ainge is just making trades just to make trades like I think he just gets bored and like yo let me go ahead and let me go ahead and fleece another team. He has great relationships with front office, front offices all over the, over the league. So it's yeah, definitely, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, so you, so we're both in agreement. We see Jimmy Butler being gone definitely by the start of the season. Yeah, man, he's out of there. He's yeah. gone one way or the other. Even if he's wearing a suit at the end of the bench until they trade him, he's not playing for the Timberwolves again. Facts. I agree. I agree. So, all right, before I let you go, man. Uh, you know, it is football season at the end of the day, so I guess we should cover a little bit of football. Um, is there anything that's really stuck out to you the first two weeks of the NFL season? Anything that's like been like, whoa, good and bad? The New York Giants messed up the package off the rip. Interesting. They didn't take the quarterback. They didn't, they, they, they didn't fix the O-line. They took a running back with no O-line. They completely hustled backwards with this whole process. That has stood out to be like since last April, I've been sitting back, and, th- and then you got rid of Davis Webb before the season started. I take it you're a Giant fan. I could just see the emotion yeah. in your words. Yes, yes. go ahead. Absolutely, <laughs> it didn't make sense. You, you take the quarterback, so this way us Giants fans, even though we knew Eli has seen the blocks, we would have watched Eli fail, knowing that in the future we had the the heir apparent in the wings. No, but they they took the running back. They got rid of the future. We I don't know what's coming next. You know. That, that, that's an issue for me. But in all seriousness, as far as the first two weeks of the season is concerned, the fact that there's a lot of turmoil in Pittsburgh. I, 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 I usually believe that Mike Tomlin has things under control, but it's a lot of saltiness coming out of Pittsburgh right now. A.B. not going to meetings. Uh, 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 Le'Veon Bell holding out. There's absolutely no defense in their secondary. Oh, my it's God. Like, Thank you, Pittsburgh, right now. Yeah, I, that's the, I, I did it at the intro of the show. I, I said Pittsburgh. I mean, what is going on in fucking Pittsburgh? And dog, I've I've been the one. I've I've caped for Mike Tomlin for years. It's hard to defend a guy anymore. The, the team has been a disappointment. I mean, think about it. If I were to tell you right now, you could have a roster with arguably, arguably now, it's all subjective. The the. The top three players at the, at the three most important skill positions in the league, oh. and you haven't even sniffed the Super Bowl, sniffed the Super Bowl, you would be like, no way. And that's the Pittsburgh Steelers I'm talking about. It's not like I'm telling you the Jacksonville Jaguars or the Buffalo Bills. Like this is the the venerable, the honorable Pittsburgh Steelers. 
and they haven't even sniffed the Super Bowl, that's a problem. And dog, the discipline on that team is the and the thing. And you know what lost me for Mike Tomlin was last year and that performance against Jacksonville. That team was flat, didn't show up. Jacksonville punched them in the mouth. They never recovered. You know what I'm saying? I know they fought back late, made it close. The Blake Bortles, forty-five. Yeah, the Blake Bortles, absolutely. You should get fired. Like, and again, I've been the biggest Mike Tomlin supporter. Like, when people have knocked him, when he lost that playoff game to Tebow, I was like, ah, I can't knock him. Blah blah blah. He's won a Super Bowl, but yo, I, I can't, I can't defend the guy anymore. The guy has been a disappointment. And I said it in the offseason. I said it after the playoffs last year. I said it at the beginning of this year. I was like, it's now or never for Pittsburgh. It's now or never with this current group, this current roster. It's now or never. You tie to the Browns. You get smoked at home by Kansas City. You can't stop a nosebleed. You still haven't replaced Troy Palomalu. <laughs> and he's a defensive guy. It's not like this is an offensive guy. This is a defensive guy. This is his calling card. The Tampa 2, Tony Dungy coaching tree. Like, this is this is who he is. If he was in New York City or Los Angeles or Boston or Philadelphia, he would be fired. Gone a long time ago. He would have been. He would dog. He would have been fired after after that after the Tebow game. Agreed. But he would have been fired after the Tebow game. He had three coaches since the seventies. He's kind of leaning on that right now. Yeah, so. but it, but 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 dog. I think it, I think the seat's getting hot because they fired Todd Haley and eventually, you know, there's only so many coaches you can fire. There's <laughs> only so many guys you can you can make walk the plank. Eventually, they're gonna make your ass walk the plank. And I think the watch, he's gone. I think. Yeah, I, I think I, I I I know it's only two games and they're still technically zero and one. Still a lot of time, but dog, if he doesn't fix this, if this turns out to be those one of those tumultuous five and eleven, six and ten years, he's gone. He's gone. He has to be. He has to be. And you lose Le'Veon Bell, he's out of there. Yeah, has to be. Has to be, man. Anything else? Patrick Mahomes. You know, I know it's a cliche that get on the quarterback. There was a lot of hype last season for Mahomes. But at the same time, I was skeptical because I'm like, all this hype of watching him come out there and crap the bed. The fact that he's hit the ground running, Andy Reid looking like he's doing it again. I'm now the quarterback. You know, to me, Kansas City was a quarterback away, you know, Alex Smith. But I always felt like Kansas City was a quarterback away. And if Mahomes gets busy and continues, once the film gets out, if he continues to play at this level, Kansas City's viable. And, and to the Dallas Cowboys, give Zeke the damn ball. Please. Ezekiel Elliott needs 25 carries a game. Dak yeah. Prescott has been overrated from day one. I don't know why they ran Tony Romo out of town for, for Dak Prescott when it, when it was always Zeke. It didn't matter what Dak did. It was always Zeke. The Zeke, 17 carries, 18 carries. He doesn't even get the ball in the passing game anymore. I'm like, if you want to score points, you want to control the clock, give your best player the football, Cowboys. I'm not a Cowboy fan, but it's mind-boggling to me that you're still putting the ball in Dak's hand. Give it to Zeke and win games. Yeah, I, I know. I agree with you. I, I I was wrong. I was wrong on on Mahomes. I was I was one of those guys that was like, "Oh, Mahomes is, is going to be a bust. He's a Big Twelve quarterback. I don't trust him." But I've been I've been proven wrong. I've been proven wrong. Does that mean that you're not you, you're not buying Baker Mayfield either? <sighs> I, I I'm on the fence. I like Baker. I liked him in college, but I don't know. I bought all the stock in Baker, bro. I'm not I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> 
before the draft process, I, I told people just casually, not even like prognosticating. I felt that big was the best quarterback in the draft. Just saying that. I didn't think he was going number one because I thought he was too small. Then the Browns picked him number one. I said, wait a minute. So they see the same thing I see. Can I get a scout job? Because that boy is good. Oh, I'm telling you, Baker Mayfield is going to be so good. That, that's all. Whatever he gets on the field, it's a wrap. Yeah, I agree. I agree, man. Well, I'm going to let you go, man. You've you've stayed longer than your, than your allotted time initially, man. I appreciate that. Before you go, man, just go ahead, plug your podcast, plug your social media. Let them know where everybody can find you, man. Uh, social media, Marlo Podfield on Instagram. Uh, Twitter is Chet underscore O'Hara. It's a very Irish name. I know it's a joke. Hey, if you go and listen to the Green Area, you'll hear the origins of that name, Chet underscore O'Hara. The podcast is The Gray Area. You can find it on Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Elite Sports New York, iHubbout Radio, and everywhere else that you can find podcasts. I am there. Just look up The Gray Area, hosted by Ray Jarvis. Manny, I appreciate it, man. No doubt, man. I appreciate you for being our guest on the show, and uh, we'll definitely do this again. Definitely. I got to get you in the gray area, bro. We, we, we got we to get you there real soon to talk some things during the basketball season. I'm there. Just let me know time and the place. I'm there. Gotcha. All right, bro. Ray, we'll holler at you later, man. Thank you for being on the podcast, bro. Stay up. Stay blessed. Brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters. I don't know what this world is coming to. Fouls of the week. And uh, my foul of the week this week goes to Urban Meyer, our old friend. Why not, right? Now, did anybody watch that bullshit? Um, you know, sit down interview he had with Tom Rinaldi on ESPN that was played on Monday night. Uh, I think it was on halftime or was it, was it on, uh, on, uh, SVP, um, Scott Van Pelt's, uh, sports center or whatever, uh, whatever, whichever. It, I, I saw it on Scott Van Pelt, but it might have, they might have played it at halftime, I think. I don't, I'm, I'm not sure. But anyway, um, he had a sit down interview with, uh, Tom Rinaldi and basically just kind of, you know, just, talking to Urban Meyer after everything had went down and, you know, now that he's getting ready to come back and coach for the first time, that that bullshit-ass suspension that he received. And I don't know if I got a chance to talk about it, obviously, when I got sick when everything had went down or when the decision had come down, so I don't even think I had a chance to even cover it. But the fact that they suspended him three day, three games, two of which were cupcakes, t- cupcake games to, at best, and I know that TCU wasn't exactly a cupcake, but TCU wasn't beating Ohio State was complete and utter bullshit. You know, it was complete and utter bullshit. You, you you were better off not even suspending him. But to suspend him three, you know what would have showed me something? You know what would have showed me something by that Ohio State administration? Suspend him for three big games. Suspend him for the games against Wisconsin, for the games against Iowa, for the games against Michigan, for Michigan. God forbid Michigan or God forbid, you know, Michigan State. But suspend him for those games. There's no rule that you have to suspend him the first three games. Suspend him for the three big games. Hey, you failed us as a leader and an administrator. You know what? You get suspended for the three biggest games we have as an organiz- as a program this year. You get suspended for the, you know, God forbid you're suspended for Michigan, for Michigan, of course. But, you know, you're suspended for Wisconsin, for Michigan State, and for Iowa. You don't get to coach those games. But, of course, they're not going to do that. <laughs> of course, that would actually, you know, take some guts and some fucking, you know, some some actual morals and some values worth a damn in college sports. God, you know, wake me up when that fucking happens. But be that as it may, got suspended three games. And, you know, now he has this sit down interview and in the entire, and I won't bore you with the details, but, but if you guys haven't seen it, I'm sure you can go on YouTube and find it or whatever, but 
But this idea that Urban Meyer is a victim. Yeah, he basically painted himself out to be the, you know, I did nothing wrong and that, you know, I thought I did what's best for blah, blah, blah. Just the same. I mean, this isn't a guy that wasn't remorseful. He didn't come off as a guy that was remorseful. This isn't a guy that came off as a guy that he truly felt like, hey, I fucked up and I'm lucky to have kept my job and blah, blah, blah. Like, no, this was a guy that came off as like, yo, hey, I don't know why everybody's so mad. Hey, I did what I had to do legally. You know, okay, I probably could have done some things a little bit differently. I probably could have did this instead of that. I probably could have went left instead of right. I probably could have went straight instead of turning. You know, but he didn't sound like he was too distraught after everything. He didn't sound like he was too remorseful or regretful. It was disgusting. I hated that interview. He sounded like a pompous, arrogant, you know, holier than thou, Urban Meyer, but that's who he is. In a way, it doesn't surprise me because that's who he is. That's who Urban Meyer has always been. He's always been a phony. He's always been a phony. So nothing he does now will surprise me. But I was really bothered by that interview. And now that you're hearing rumors that you know him and Ohio State aren't exactly getting along, that he felt like the organ that the school and and the school administration did support him. You know why? Where? 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 Cry me a motherfucking river, Urban Meyer. The fact of the matter is, Urban, one of your coaches beat up his wife for years and you kept him on your staff. You kept him on your staff. And when you got pressed about it at Big Ten Media Day, you lied. You lied. Now, you could now you could sit there and try to justify it by, oh, I don't know what was truthful or not. And I didn't know what to say. You could come up with all the bullshit excuses and lies that you want. The fact of the matter is you lied. You lied. And you kept a guy that was a serial abuser of his wife for years, years on your staff without firing him. And this idea that you're the victim now, that he's upset with Ohio State and that, you know, he may look to leave at the year, you know, at year's end or whatever. And I know these are just rumors and scutterbugs. I know that, you know, Cal and Cal heard threw it out there that USC, if, if, you know, Clay Helton has a disappointing year, they may look to, you know, try to pry away. That's all rumors and hearsay. I don't, I don't know how much I have a belief. I have heard that he is upset with, Ohio State. Who knows if, how much of that is true? But the idea that this guy is, feels like he's the victim, like he's been wronged here, like he is, he has been attacked, <laughs> or that he's been a target of some like, you know, some witch hunt is bullshit. It is typical Urban Meyer. That's why I can't stand Urban Meyer. He's been a phony ever since Florida. Mr. Holier Than Thou, Mr. Church and Religion, Christ. Yet every fucking player he had on that team was a fucking a delinquent and a problem child. And as soon as Nick Saban came to town, all of a sudden he developed heart problems. So I'm no Urban Meyer fan, but I mean that, I mean, but it reached new levels, you know, on Monday. I don't know why that interview bothered me so much, but it just did. It just did. Cause you just saw a guy that just was like, well, well, I I don't think I did anything wrong, but I'm sorry to her. This all, just all this bullshit like dude get the fuck off your high horse okay get the fuck off your high horse so foul of the week urban meyer that shit pissed me that interview really bothered me like i'm sitting here cleaning my kitchen and i'm just like i and i wasn't even like really gonna pay attention to the interview but then i started like listening to it and then i just had to stop everything and watch it like bro what the fuck what the fuck is this shit so urban meyer foul of the week and another foul matter of fact i'm gonna issue another foul of the week Note to self, do not ever, ever in life pre-order an iPhone through AT&T. 
like AT&T has to have the worst customer service. And I've had, I've called almost every single customer service. I work in IT. I've called many a customer service in my lifetime. Trust me. Every major company to, to the small Timbuktu fucking companies, I've called customer. And AT&T by a long shot right now has the worst customer service. Bro, in, tw- in two days, I've been on I've been on the phone with 10 people. I'm not even going to bore you with the details. Long story short, we placed a pre-order to get the new iPhones on Friday. Randomly on Monday, they just suspended my account. They sus- or they suspended my account. they suspended the order. They couldn't tell me why they suspended the order. All I kept saying was update the payment arrangement. Mind you, they already had processed the payment, the taxes and fees for the phone so I could get the phone shipped for my wife and I to get our upgrades, and they just suspended the order. They never could give me a reason why. Every time they tried to update the card information, it kept failing. They had no answers for me. They kept giving me the runaround, passing me to person to person. Bruh, like, I am not a happy AT&T customer right now. Not, not in the slightest. So my foul of the week, my second foul of the week this week goes to AT&T and their customer service. So hopefully the AT&T CEO is a fucking sports fan and, and and listens to sports podcasts. I doubt he listens to this podcast, but hey, who knows? We'll, we'll swing for the stars here. You know what I mean? Why not? You know what I mean? We'll, we'll, we'll take a Hail Mary. We'll take a shot in the dark. AT&T, you guys get this foul too. So fouls of the week, Urban Meyer and AT&T. So... I'm gonna get up out of here, man. It's been a it's been a good show. Uh, I'd like to thank Ray uh, Ray Jarvis for coming on the show, man. If you haven't listened to his podcast, the Gray Area Podcast, man, go listen to it. He, the, the guy knows what he's talking about. He's he's a good sports fan. He's a good knowledgeable dude. Also, read his columns on Elite Sports New York. Um, guy's a good dude, man. He joined us on the podcast. gave her gave us what I think 10, 15 minutes longer than he was supposed to. So. Uh, big ups to him, man, and uh, we'll definitely have him on the show again. I think you guys are going to definitely enjoy that once you listen to it. Um, so, yeah, thanks you for Ray for being on the show, and we'll definitely have him on again. Um, as always, man, thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. Without you guys, I say this every week, without you guys, there is no podcast. So thank you for supporting the show. Um, we are still going over, and I know some people hit me up this week about it. We are still going through with the name change. Um I'm looking to have everything finalized, logos and stuff done, uh, changing of the name and everything official by next month, middle of next month. I'm shooting for October 15th. So, um, yeah, so um, I'll keep you guys posted more. I'm, I'm still working on some of the details as far as that. So I don't have anything right now, but definitely, definitely by the middle of next month, we will change the name officially of the podcast and have a new logo and just rebranding it. More guests like you've seen the last couple of weeks. We're working on a guest for next week. Um, next week's show will focus more on baseball and the pennant races that'll have. I'll talk. I'll get into the David Wright situation. I know a lot of people have asked me about the David Wright situations and my thoughts on that. Um, I'll get into that. It'll be a baseball heavy show next week unless there's like major news major NFL news. I mean, there's always going to be NFL news, obviously. So we'll get into NFL, we'll get into college, but baseball will be a, a bigger focus next week. And then obviously we're getting ready for the end of the baseball season and, and you know, October baseball. So we'll get that covered. We'll get all the, you know, divisional races and the wild card races, all that shit permeated. It's going to be the last weekend of the regular season next week. So we'll definitely get into that. So it'll be a baseball heavy show next week. Um, but yeah, man, um, you know, keep listening, keep subscribing to the show. We appreciate your support. Um, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at the Manuel Brown. You can follow the show at the TF Podcast One. Follow us on Instagram, the TF Podcast, and then follow me on Snapchat, Manny Bro Fifteen. Man, so thank you for your support. Thank you for listening. Thank you for keeping us in business again. Without you guys, there is no podcast. So I appreciate your business and I appreciate your support, man. 
couldn't have done it without y'all. So um, keep listening. And, you know, also, hey, man, if you'd like the show, drop us a review. I keep telling y'all that every week. It, 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 I can't say it enough. Drop us a review. It's important. It's very important. But I'm enough rambling. I'm out of here. Peace and love, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy the football this weekend. And we will be back next Wednesday. Yes, new, new day during the week. Next Wednesday with another episode of your podcast. I am Manny and I'm out. Peace. Serious Sarah. Thank you.